2: No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our taping down.
0: Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you
3: know how you do it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas.
3: Well, I'm sitting here
2: with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, loved I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a smith.
0: <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. Two six seven twenty two Jiggy. Hey Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh,
3: David Bowie
0: Jiggy play guitar. Jiggy. It's a great day, but thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting,
3: I'm,
2: I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh,
3: see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours.
2: It is the Friday edition of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. Coast to coast, border to border, tune in, iTunes, radio loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the app store, JiggyJaguar.us. Harvey Neiman will may join us here in this hour. Also, the great Dan Perkins will join us. Hollywood Dan Perkins. I, I don't know if that's actually. He's not really Hollywood Dan Perkins. Is he Hollywood Dan Burton? I don't know. But we're going to get it going today here on our big program. Coast to coast, border to border, tune in iTunes the Radio uh, Loyalty. Yes, that Radio Loyalty. It should be a fun one. It should be fun, fun, fun tonight I take the tea girl away. I don't know why my dad is taking away transsexual women from me. It happens. Happens a lot here, apparently. Uh, get a hold of us on Facebook, facebookcom slash The That's way to. That's the way to be, as they say. The way to be, as they say. What it be like, as uh, Dwayne would say. Nobody remembers Dwayne. Dwayne was never on the on the. Um, it was on the Sunday show. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Let's do this. We've got this coming up.
1: Hi, James. I'm
2: Dr. Levine. How are you?
1: Hi. Good, thanks. Well, uh, first
2: of all, give us a little bit on your background here, doctor.
1: I am a pediatrician and dermatologist in New York City. I'm here to talk to you about taking care of your baby's skin.
2: Yes. Let's talk about that. Uh, Give us some tips and tricks here.
1: Well, I'll start with bathing. I got a lot of questions about bathing. It's good to use a gentle, baby-specific cleanser and tear-free shampoo. Avoid long baths and use warm water, not too hot. You want to moisturize your baby twice a day with a cream that contains ceramides or with an ointment. You want to moisturize right after the bath when the skin is most accepting to the moisture. Some parents worry when their baby's skin is peeling, but newborn peeling skin is actually normal. It continues for the first few weeks of life. But if it continues after that, then it's time to consult your pediatrician because you might need some special care. And talking about special care, I think it's important to choose the right fabrics that you dress your baby in, light and comfortable clothing, gentle, soft, absorbent fabrics like cotton, and pre-wash your baby's clothes before your baby wears them, just like you would for yourself. Pre-wash all store-bought goods like towels and bedding. Nine out of 10 dermatologists surveyed say that it's important to wash your little one's clothes. And parents should wash their baby's clothes in a separate wash from the rest of the families with a hypoallergenic and gentle baby detergent like Dreft Pure Touch. Created by the number one pediatrician recommended baby detergent brand, Dressed Pure Touch is 65% plant-based and made from naturally derived ingredients. I would also like to talk to you about sun protection, especially now in the summer. In general, I recommend using baby-specific products that have been tested and proven gentle. Baby sunblock is made from physical blockers like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide rather than chemical blockers. For babies under 6 months old, they should be kept out of direct sunlight and covered by protective clothing and shade, especially between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. when the sun's radiation is most intense.
2: Well, what else do you have for us? Well,
1: I can go on and on about sun protection because it's so important. Um, <laughs> and I really think that it's important to say over and over again, um, you know, things to do with you're in the sun and you notice that your shadow is shorter than you are, which means that the sun is directly overhead. You should seek shade, trees, umbrellas, don't forget about the stroller hood for your baby. Sometimes parents forget that their stroller even has a hood. Um, So really I want to talk a lot about that, and sun protective clothing is so important for every age.
2: Well, where can we go for more information?
1: For more information, check out dress.com. It has great tips.
2: Fantastic. Well, Doctor, have yourself a wonderful morning.
1: You too. Thanks for having me.
0: This is Silver Fox Kevin Nash You're listening to the Jiggy Jaguar Show
2: Yes indeed, it is the big broadcast Coast to coast and border to border today on television Also iHeartRadio, 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world Big broadcast continues We're going to talk to Hensei, Hensei the Dawn Here in a few moments before we do that, let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners here, Transmedia Worldwide. Check out www.rollingwithdjadam.tv. The most unique DJ in Hollywood. He was born with cerebral palsy. His courage and perseverance can really use your support. Only you can make a difference. Check out www.rollingwithdjadam.tv amazing, amazing, amazing website. Check out www.r-o-l-l-i-n-g dot and tell them you heard about it here Transmedia Worldwide And let's go to Dan Perkins the fantastic Dan Perkins we will call him on the telephone, telephone. Fantastic.
3: Dan Mr. James Parkins, Love. There he
2: is, the big star. We missed you on Tuesday, my friend. I don't know if uh, Don I filled gotta, you in on uh, Dr. Herb right. London. but I'm sorry? I don't know if Don filled you in on Tuesday about Dr. Herb London, but he, uh, Don and IQ had a blast chatting with Good. him. He, uh... He was he was quite entertaining, and I'm glad that we were able to get well, you, you have on. Have
3: to the- have him on again when I'm well.
2: Yes, yes, we will. We will definitely uh, get him back I'd like to do that. Now, um, I want to talk today about several different topics. One being this uh, this trade war that yes. uh, that that Trump may be starting. Uh, I've been hearing all sorts of different people. I know that you've been you've been on national radio shows all over the place talking yeah. about this, and on TV. Oh, by the way, congratulations on the Laura Ingram thing.
3: You're welcome. I'm excited about it. It, it. I think it takes me to a little, even a little better level. That gives me The Hill and The Daily Caller, uh, Clash Daily and, uh, Laura for powerhouses of, uh, blog radio.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Now, uh, what do you make of this trade war, my friend? Well, um,
3: let me tell you what I've been telling everybody else in the country. Um, I'm going to give you two numbers, Jim. The trade deficit between the entire EU and China is $180 billion a year. The trade deficit between the United States and China is in excess of $400 billion a year. Now, the problem, Jim, is not trade going from them to us. The problem is trade going from us to them. Yes. And so when you've got between the two biggest markets in the world, the EU and the United States, approaching $600 billion of trade deficit with one nation, um, steel is only a straw man for the reality of what Mr. Trump said to us last spring through the summer and into the fall election. His trade policy is going to be based on fair trade policy, not trade policy. And when you've got uh, – I did a piece on this some times ago, uh, Jim, probably the last two months. And I, I, I asked the question, and I've done it on a lot of shows. I do think I did it on your show, and nothing personal. It just didn't <laughs> dominate at yes, the time. Yeah. But how many – this is the question that I ask everybody. It was the basis for the uh, article that I wrote. Question: How many U.S. corporations have acquired Chinese companies?
2: Hmm, that's that's an interesting uh, interesting question. What what's the answer to that?
3: Zero. None. No U.S. corporations have been allowed to acquire. Chinese corporations. In fact, Jim, if you want to if you want to bring a manufacturing facility into China, you have to find a manufacturer and that manufacturer gets to own 51% of the business. And you have to give them if if it's engineered product, you have to give them the engineered drawings to make the product. So not only do we not have fair trade, uh, there's no way, at least under the current rules, where an American corporation can go in and buy a Chinese company. The uh, Another interesting thing is there are six, depending on how you count them, between six and nine automobile manufacturing companies within the country of China. What percentage do you think, or what number out of those nine, is controlled by the Chinese government, owned by the Chinese government? I have no clue. Got you again. Yeah. Six. Six. Holy smokes. So the steel issue is not not a significant issue. It's representational of a bigger issue, and that is that we have... We do not have fair trade. Again, I'll take you back in time. When Mr. Trump said that he was going to renegotiate NAFTA, remember that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the Mexican people and the Mexican president, no way, no, and no how ever, none, not going to do it. And the Canadians, same deal. About two months later, I think we could probably come to a compromise here. Because they understood, they knew it when they opened their mouth, that they had an unfair advantage of the ability to import goods into the United States with no tariffs, yet they were placing significant tariffs on American goods going into Canada or to Mexico. And they, they understood they had it good for a long time. And Mr. Trump is basically trying to say, those days are gone. I want fair trade. I want America to have an equal shot anywhere in the world. And let me tell you, again, what's not being talked about, except what I write about it, is this, this the fair trade issue is going to become very important as America becomes the energy supplier to the world. And there's the opening article on Life Set with Laura Ingram on Monday or Tuesday, I think, dealt with that very issue. I wrote about that the Trump energy strategy is designed to destroy OPEC and the cartel. And um, I've gotten a number of people who sent me emails, hadn't thought about it that way, great insight. So um, things are changing dramatically and they're changing because Mr. Trump is not sitting there on his butt doing nothing. Even though there's controversy within the Congress, he's still going out and he's renegotiating trade deals and he's cutting deals for companies to come into the United States. But he's also encouraging, you know, before he sat down with the premier of China, re exported zero oil and natural gas to China. Oh, really? I did yeah, not know none. that. Well, we we couldn't do it for the, for forty some years, until in the Omnibus Bill in December of two thousand and fifteen, just a little over a year and a half ago, they lifted the re, the restrictions of exportation of oil and and uh, natural gas. So now we're shipping crude oil about a million barrels a day into China. Now in the in the G twenty meeting in in Europe just recently. Again, didn't get any, any play at all in the mainstream media. What did Mr., Mr. Trump say? What I said two years ago, he said to the Polish people, we know that you get at least 40% of your energy from the Soviet Union. And we know because of that, you're under dramatic influence as only you, but the rest of Europe. Because if they decide to turn off the oil and natural gas, you're in trouble. Well, I'm here to tell you, we got your back. We'll supply you all (laughs) the oil and natural gas you want. That sent a huge message to Mr. Putin about his ability to influence, use energy to influence what was going to happen in in, in the EU. And so, again, wasn't highly reported at all in the mainstream media. But big deal uh you don't have to be intimidated by the russians anymore so and that's trade we're shipping our crude oil and natural gas liquefied to european ports and we can we can let the russians shut off the valves of oil and natural gas we now have a president who says i've got your back big message
2: Absolutely amazing. It's Dan Perkins with us today here on our Friday edition of our uh, big program. Thanks for joining us today here on Talk America Radio and uh, Talk America Radio Live. Um, also, iHeartRadio and 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 the network. Now, um, Dan, th- th- there is there is a lot going on uh, with consumer confidence. What, what, what do you make of uh, some of that, that that's going on, and, and does Trump have anything to do with that?
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh- Um, No question. Um, um, America is an incredibly great example of the power of one person to bring about change. In 1980, I was working like an idiot for Merrill Lynch trying (laughs) trying to run an operation in the United States and build an operation in Germany. And... At the end of Jimmy Carter's first term, we had 40-some hostages, American hostages in Iran. We had incredible inflation. We had incredible high energy rates. Our president told us that the best years were behind us. He sat in the Oval Office with a blue sweater on and said, don't light your Christmas trees. Don't put up outside lights. We're not going to turn on the national Christmas tree. We have to save energy. And when he ran against Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan himself, one person said to America, I see great days ahead of us. He had a optimistic attitude. And when he won the election, I was in staying with a friend in, in, in Frankfurt and he knocked on the door in the middle of the night and said, you have a new president. And I said, am I going to like him or hate him? He said, you're going to like him. It's Ronald Reagan. And I said, yes. And he won on a landslide. He won on a landslide because psychologically the American people felt like crap. That there was no hope, there was no opportunity, the best years of America were behind it, and the Democrats were were the carrier of the message, and the American people said, you know, I don't like that message. And when Donald Trump was running for president and nobody thought he was going to win, except some people like myself, The American people saw in Donald Trump somebody who wanted to make America great again. And a lot of people in America thought America had seen its best days. Energy prices weren't high. Huge unemployment. Ninety-three million people off the payrolls. And it was not a pleasant time. Barack Obama, for eight years, kept his foot on the throat of the American economy Kept it from growing. He didn't kill it, but he kept it from growing, and as a result, people became despondent. When Ronald Reagan when he won, he turned the psychology of the American people. When Donald Trump was elected on that Tuesday night in November, the American psychology changed. As you know, Jim, Don and I have a show called Recalculating for Small Business.
2: Yes, yes.
3: And we had an interview with this guy a couple of weeks ago, who's who struggled to stay in business during the eight years of the Obama administration, he said, Mr. Perkins, it was a nightmare for us. But when Donald Trump was elected in November, it's like the floodgates opened, the phone calls went crazy. I wanna start a business, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. So it's possible that one person can influence consumer confidence, especially if that person is the President of the United States.
2: Well, I'll tell you, Dan, it is, it is definitely something that, uh, that we need to get back to because I know that there's a lot of folks that, uh, they are, they are just wondering what is going on, uh, with the money and, and consumer confidence, some of the different things. Uh, where, where do you see things headed, uh, with this Russia situation? Because this thing just won't go the hell away. <laughs>
3: I wish it would, because yeah, it's and, just and, so and a bunch of nonsense. In some respects, I agree with you, but some respects, I don't agree with you. Okay. Because because there's a new piece that I've just finished. I don't know where it's going to be. Uh, I'll let you know when it's when it's out. And it it really is um, the concept of the piece is looking at the democratic strategy. The Democratic strategy is that they basically have no ideas. So because they don't have any ideas, the only thing they can do is attack their opponents. Try and diminish them, make them look like crooks and criminals and evil people. And so the game plan for the Democratic Party is they don't have anything positive to say to the American people about jobs or the economy or energy, any of that. They want to go after Donald Trump and his cabinet members and his family and everything else. And so what I've said is the Democrats don't understand one very important thing. Behind the president of the United States is a a cabinet that's working every day to dismantle the Obama legacy, to get rid of government regulation, to streamline the Department of Energy and Education, to to make America more productive by eliminating regulations. And while all of that's going on behind the scenes, Mr. Trump is taking all the hits. And so he is he is the street fighter who's defending the country, taking the hits and hitting back. But what they haven't figured out yet is that Mr. Trump in his social media platform has over 100 million people following him on social media. If you take the total viewing audience of the top 10 networks, television networks in the United States, they don't compare anywhere near to Mr. Trump. He has multiple the audience. And so the the answer to your question about Russia is easy. What else do they have to talk about, Jim? Well, see that's the thing <laughs> they don't they they don't have anything to talk about and and so i in the piece that I wrote that i said is is, is coming, uh, I said f- when Trump was first elected and surprised everybody except some of us, um they started to go after him. And they started there, you know, we got to impeach him because he's a crook. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's dishonest. He's not qualified to be president. All these issues. Yeah. And what's happening, Jim, is that the American people, not the mainstream media, the American people are saying what I just said to you. Move on. Give us your ideas. Because if they continue down this path, you know, I, in this piece, Jim, I'm going to make a statement, and you tell me which one is prejudicial and which one isn't. The Russian attorney took a meeting with Donald Trump Jr. A Russian attorney met with Donald Trump Jr. Sounds about the same, doesn't it? Pretty much. What they're, what the Democrats are doing is basically s- using the person's country of origin as much as in the same way as they have used Russia as the bad guy. It's the damn Russians. And so when they speak about the Russian meeting with Donald Trump, they're equating that Russian to be an operative of Putin and the Kremlin. Russia can name, mean a name it can be a nationality or it can be a slur it could be attack on a group of people and so what they're doing even they you know th- this this particular situation I've done a lot of shows this week on on this issue and I'm educating the our contemporaries in the media of what I call the shiny object and I wrote a piece about this during the campaign shiny can, shiny object is where the Democrats point you in a different direction. And I'll give you the example. The Democrats said that the Republicans and the Russians, meaning a, meaning a government as opposed to a nationality, and that's the difference. Are we talking about a nationality or are we talking about a country? The Russians hacked the election in favor of Donald Trump. Now they're saying that because they, they don't want us, to, they don't want the mainstream media to look at the reality. So I'd rather put out this shiny object, object that says, look over here, the Russians hacked the American election. Isn't that bad? To detract away from the content that were in the emails that were come, that came in from Hillary and Podesta. Don't look at the content. Just understand that it poss- possibly may have been hacked. And so that's the strategy of the Democratic Party. This woman who this, um, Russian lawyer was supposedly here to deal with Russian abortion, uh, Russian adoption. She said she had no idea what they were talking about because she had no inside information on Mrs. Clinton or on any communications between the Russian government and the, and the, and the Trump, uh, Campaign. So by saying those things, they continue to to try and keep keep the the narrative in play as a distraction away from the fact that they have nothing else to offer. I said in the in the closing part of the piece, Chuck Schumer, or as some of us calling up, Chuck Schumer, um, said that he believed that Donald Trump Jr. should be forced to come to Congress and testify under oath. I said, wait a minute, he's a private citizen, was not a member of the administration. He disclosed that nothing happened. Why does the Democratic Party think they have the right to subpoena us and get into our private conversations when we're not members of the government? But that's what Schumer wanted to do. And so we have, we have a situation where the Republican leadership of the Republican party is, is very far left. Uh, and all they're doing is attacking the integrity, the, the ability of Mr. Trump to be president of the United States. And I said in the closing piece, Remember that every time, every time Donald Trump leaves the country and he goes out and he's on the world stage, it makes it more and more difficult for the Democrats to say he's not presidential. And clearly the, the, the result of the G20 trip and the Middle Eastern trip that the American people are beginning to see Donald Trump is very presidential. So the Democrats are in trouble because they have nothing to say positive or any suggestions to say they're going to lose a lot of seats in the midterm election, not gain.
2: It is Dan Perkins. He's with us today here on our big broadcast, here on the Friday edition of our iHeartRadio broadcast. And um, Dan, uh, how are the books doing? I know that you're you're in the process of of your books. How, How are your books doing?
3: Well, the books are doing fine. We, the, um, Jerry and I, my wife just met yesterday with a research doctor here in what he calls ground zero for Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, the number of Alzheimer's and dementia cases in the three counties around Fort Myers is the highest in the United States. And he has a research facility here where he's testing and doing research trials, uh, on on dementia and on Alzheimer's. And we spent a good hour with him because we want him, we've asked him to look at our book, Why Can't Grammy Remember Me? And be one of the contributing, uh, reviewers. And he has not said no. I, we gave it to him yesterday. Uh, he's very excited about what we're trying to do, uh, to bring the, the issue of dementia into the household in real studies, and dealing with real kids, in real life situations. We have another doctor that we talked with yesterday on the phone who said he would write a review. He is a a doctor, but he's dealing with dementia with his mother and his brother. And so we asked him to write a review of our book from the standpoint of a son and brother who's facing dementia for his mother and his brother as as a clinician as a doctor what is he trying to do we have two more researchers that we're starting dialogues with so we could have as many as four renowned three renowned specialists in the area area of dementia and Alzheimer's who will be writing reviews for this book very soon um, it's in uh, production I should see galleys at the end of in two weeks um, and uh, we're talking about doing a conference here in Sanibel in the fall. Um, the last time they did the conference, they brought in over 700 people for it. Um, so we're going to try and do another one in the fall to introduce the book and also to introduce this researcher that's living here. Um, the second book, or the excuse me, this the unheard of sequel to a trilogy, Terrorist Gold, which is the sequel to Brotherhood of the Red Nile is in final edit, and I would expect it to be out in late August, early September. Um, and then um, the historical novel Abraham Lincoln and the Second Assassin. I'm looking for probably first quarter 2018.
2: Wow, you, you you're uh, you're busy, and you and you've got a schedule, which is good.
3: Yeah, I've got another another book that's in development. Uh, in a special situation, we have a brand new children's hospital here in Fort Myers called the Galasso Children's Hospital, and it's the the major hospital between Tampa, St. Petersburg, and Miami, Florida. And they have um, they are what is called a little red wagon hospital. What that means, Jim, is that for the most part, children are transported through the hospital for their treatments wherever possible in red wagons as opposed to gurneys. And so one of the major contributors to the hospital, after he read my Peter Little Irish Seal book last uh, January, asked me if I could write a book on a little red wagon. And so I did, and I've written this book Um, for the Little Red Wagon Foundation for the hospital. And it's a story about a father and son and then a grandfather and grandson. And the the grandson has to go into the children's hospital. And it's a story about not only the hospital, but the the use of Little Red Wagons to transport people and uh, how there's a sense of comfort. And um, that's being written... It's been written for the hospital so that every child who comes in the hospital, once it gets released, I'm I'm basically giving the intellectual property for use in Southwest Florida to the hospital so the child who's admitted to the hospital will get a free copy of the book.
2: Fantastic.
3: Fantastic.
2: Now, uh, Dan, before we let you go, how do people get a hold of you online and pick up your books and everything else?
3: The books are available at Amazon.com, um, and my website is danperkins.guru. On that website is a link to Amazon and also a link to Songs and Stories for Soldiers. And uh, I think since the last time you and I talked, we've added four new hospitals or clinics, and uh, we've crossed 12,000 MP3 players And we're at about 60, I think 69 facilities. And I expect, based on people we're talking to, we'll be at 70 to 75 by the end of the summer. And um, hopefully uh, 13,000 players distributed.
2: Fantastic. Well, Dan, have yourself a, uh, a wonderful day, and we'll talk next Tuesday, my friend.
3: Thank you for having me on, Jim. It's always a pleasure.
2: Definitely. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Dan Perkins with us today on Skype Audio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Harvey Neiman is going to join us.
0: Brought to you by Jordan's Juice Barbecue Sauce. it up with Jordan's online at jordansjuice.com.
2: Welcome back to our big broadcast. Harvey Neiman is going to join us here in just a few moments. Consumer confidence is going to be the topic. And uh, welcome back to our big broadcast. With the six-month mark of the new president's administration rapidly approaching... And with certain economic deadlines on the horizon, our U.S. Congress has its hands full for the rest of summer 2017. Congressional leaders, basically the Republicans, need to work with the White House to submit a federal budget for the upcoming 2018. Also, they need to raise the federal debt ceiling to avoid a potential shutdown of the government in October. In addition, Congress is struggling to fulfill the President's campaign promise of income tax reform that reduces tax rates and probably most controversial, in fulfilling Trump's promise to repeal and fix Obamacare. And with us today, Harvey Neiman. He is president and chief investment officer of Neiman Funds Management, LLC, and has been on CNBC, Fox Business, and has been interviewed and reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. Barons and many other publications. And he's with us today on the telephone. Now, Harvey, let's start with the first question here. Obviously, can Congress get all this done in time to be able to take their traditional summer recess by August 2017? What do you think about this, my friend?
0: Well, if I had to give a one-word answer, i say unlikely. But on the other hand, uh, we just got news today, if you follow the financial news, uh, political news that the Senate uh, has come out with a modified health bill uh, showing they are trying to be diligent. Uh, they go on their recess officially, the summer recess, uh, the last day of work is July 28th. This year it'll be July 28th, 2017. Whether they have to stay on beyond that, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't <laughs> run the Congress or the Senate but i do see that uh legislators the the leaders uh the, the the party leaders are trying to get get things done uh it's a it's a big plateful and and maybe the administration and the white house are to blame for either dragging their feet on the one hand or creating controversy on the other hand however you want to spin it uh but there's a lot to be done if the americans who uh, who uh, showed their loyalty and confidence in the current administration, the, the, the current president, want their promises fulfilled. And um, it's getting to be a very short fuse. We're down, really, the last couple of weeks. If you look at the day of the 13th and the 28th, you know, two weeks away. Uh, it's a lot to get done, short period of time.
2: Consumer confidence is our topic today with Harvey Neiman. He is the man behind Customized Wall Street. It's a practical tool designed to help you take control of your financial future and is available in ebook and hard copy at Amazon.com. What are the obstacles to submitting a budget for the fiscal 2018 that does not increase the federal deficit, Harvey? Well,
0: those obstacles are huge, but basically they are political, uh, besides the administration and whatever form uh, the budget office and uh, the, the, the uh, economic leaders, Treasury Secretary, the cabinet, and other members of the White House team, then you have Congress and you have a battle uh, with Democrats and Republicans. I don't know that all Republican uh, uh, legislators, whether the John McCain type, or, or others uh, who've been around for a long time, whether they align perfectly behind the White House view uh, of the budget, uh, they are still very devoted to their own constituencies, uh, and, and that's the reason we have a Congress because uh, every every corner of this grand land of ours submits representatives to look out for your local and regional interests. Uh, if they can get, if the White House can make some deals, get Democrats on board, uh, that, that think, uh, whether they be one side of the aisle or the other, but they, they believe in, uh, the budget, uh, uh proposal and where the cutting has to take place and where the revenue comes from. It, let me back up one second. The, the country is run, in, to some degree, like a business. It's a non-profit, supposedly, business. But there are revenues and there are expenses. I mean, like any household or like any business. So our income taxes, our corporate taxes, our uh, uh, tariffs at the border are our revenues. Uh, our um, budget and our expenses and the debt we go into is the negative side. So they need to be in sync. We are allowed to go in debt, but we have a debt ceiling. Congress sets the maximum amount of debt. And we are now at the point, it's been in the papers, it's been in the financial news, that uh, our country has reached its debt ceiling already. And the question is, between now and a deadline, which comes uh, either in August or extends maybe to October, we have to get everybody to agree, the Congress, we can increase our debt. Now, does that run afoul of the uh, presidential campaign promises to lower the debt? I actually can't answer that question. <laughs> I didn't make those promises. So uh, that's what we're facing. Uh, we can increase the debt uh, and submit a budget, but then uh, we have the same problem we've had for the last uh, approximately 17 years since around 2000 when we did have a balanced budget that year
2: it's harvey neiman he joins us today consumer confidence is the topic and customize the powerful tools of investment it's going to be available summer of 2017 harvey neiman with us today here on our broadcast now um tax reform and reducing our federal income tax rates what are the obstacles there my friend
0: they aren't a whole lot different from what I've been talking about. Uh, the 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 question is, I think the American economy, the people on Main Street, the average Americans, uh, they're perfectly pleased and excited to get a tax rate reduction. And and for those in the bottom, bottom brackets, to really not to have to pay taxes at all because they really can't afford that, that's, that, that's taking food out of the mouths of their children. Uh, at the, you know, at the lower, uh, lower economic strata. But as the propaganda goes or the news media goes, when, when the biggest cuts are the people who are the richest, and I don't know if you and I qualify, (laughs) Jiggy, as the richest, but we're certainly probably better off than many people who are struggling to uh, raise a family. Uh, and that's, uh, that, that if the biggest tax cuts are at the upper end, there's resentment. And then the country is not moving together as one purpose. So I'm not suggesting one way or the other, nor am I making promises. But the, the, if, if you're going to reduce taxes, simplify the tax code, which I'm totally in favor of, it really has to be fair to everybody. And, and, and if our leaders and our legislators haven't figured that out, then I think they're going to have a problem. Uh, getting a bill that, that everybody can, can get behind for all the reasons we've already commented in the previous questions you've asked me.
2: Harvey Neiman with us today. Consumer confidence is the topic, and Customize Wall Street by Harvey Neiman is available, and uh, com. Now, uh, I, I guess the final question here, my friend, if any of these campaign promises fail to come about, will average Americans still be able to save and invest for a secure and comfortable retirement?
0: Well, I think I'd like to give a yes to that. It's a guarded yes. You know, I, can, I obviously can't promise or, or or I don't want to create unreality or fantasy out of the true realities of the situation. But there's some good news in our economy right now uh, that's built uh, since that bottom of the recession, 2008-2009. Uh, new jobs report came out just recently for the month of June and two hundred twenty. 222,000 new jobs were created in the month of June nationwide, which is a substantial increase over what was expected. The prior month, the prior two or three months, was at about 170,000. So to see that we're going in the right direction, and let's give a credit to whoever wants to claim credit for that, whether it's the private sector, whether it's the administration, I don't care who gets credit for it. I like the idea that there are more jobs. Unemployment rate has likewise shown the same uh, promise and has dropped now to uh, 4.4% for the month of June. So with those two numbers, if we see Americans going back to work and more and more, and we've had a slow recovery, but this starts to complete the economic recovery that's taken seven, eight years, then people having jobs allows them to follow some of the indicators in the book's I'm writing my first, uh, my first customized book uh, that's available now, but uh, the second one that's uh, when the editing process is done will come out at the end of the summer. Um, and a third one that I'm also writing that is more aimed at the academic community and, and, and administrators, uh, uh, the actual advisors, the professionals, to get everybody together. If you have a job at all and you have a discipline and an ethic to set aside a few dollars for your own retirement, to start building on that in, in, in ways that I offer in my books and in the ways that when I speak to people one step at a time like a tortoise we can still have a promising secure retirement for our uh, for everyday working people that have paid their dues in the United States of America and are entitled to a senior You know, a twilight of the years with comfort and security. Don't you agree with me on that one?
2: Yes, indeed. I I, I do. Harvey Neiman with us today. Consumer confidence is the topic. And uh, tell us about the Customize uh, customize the Powerful Tools of Investment. It's going to be coming out very soon.
0: Well, I haven't drilled down in details in my comments with you when I appear on your show on a weekly basis, but what I cover in the book is there's some very basic mathematical tools as well as realistic tools that are available through the methodology of the stock market and Wall Street, and we get afraid of that because we always get bad news, market's down, all that sort of thing, and I rearrange all that into uh, little by little, take your retirement savings, say you have a 401k, say you have an IRA, uh, IRA account or just a few savings,